Hey, everybody, this is Carrie Kelly from A New Revenge and Night Ranger, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks. Turn it up! Hey, this is Alexia from Children of Bottom, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks. Welcome to episode 407 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 407, we have joining us uh, for the second time, Alexi Leho of the band Children of Bodom. Children of Bodom have a new album, Hexed Out. Uh, now they're on tour, and they will be coming to Pittsburgh to do an Iron City Rock show at Mr. Small's on the 14th of April. So we wanted to have a chance to talk to Lexi about, um, you know, how his style of playing has changed over the years, um, you know, with 10 albums under their belt. Uh, how do they decide what to put in and take out of the set list, uh, among other things? So we'll get into that discussion with him in just a moment. We have also joining us Kerry Kelly, who is a guitarist of Night Ranger and has a new band called A New Revenge. We will talk all about that in just a little bit. Uh, and he will be uh, also doing a show in Pittsburgh uh, in June, so we'll, we'll touch on that as well. And then we will have joining us a guitarist, a phenomenal a musician out of Pittsburgh, Brady Novotny, who has got a, a, a new solo album as well. So without further ado, we're going to play you a little bit of Hex from Children of Bodom. We'll get into that interview with Alexi Lightning.
welcome to Iron City Rocks. We have from Children of Bodom, we have Alexi Alejo on the line. How you doing, man? Uh, pretty good, man. Wonderful. Pretty good. We're having a, having a day off somewhere in the middle of nowhere and I'm just trying to wake up, so that's... Foggy, yeah. foggy day in the middle of... Uh, you're in the, in the States right now? Yeah, somewhere in Nebraska. Oh, you're really in the middle of nowhere. No offense to our friends in <laughs> Nebraska, but there's not exactly the booming metropolis. Well, you guys are headed out east uh, mid-April to do a show in Pittsburgh uh, on the 14th. Uh, you've got a fantastic new album out with Hexed. Um, can you talk a little bit about you know, the writing process for Hexed and how those songs came together? Uh, well, as far as the writing process, it's pretty much exactly the same that it's been since the last 20 years. You know, it, it's... I. I write the riffs and well I basically do all the writing and then mm-hmm. um, I, I do that alone and then I show it to the guys you know like I come up with a uh, riff or a melody or whatever you know just part part of sure. the song and then we just jam on it for a little bit and then um, then I go you know I, I just go back home I write a little more uh, then you know I show it to the guys and then we start figuring out how to put those two parts together and that's how the process starts you know and mm-hmm. it's uh, you know usually yeah I just keep on writing and uh, and you know we do the arrangements together sure as a musician you, you've played now really almost most of the instruments in this band at, at some point um, when you write do you get involved with the bass lines and the keyboard parts at this point or do you let those guys kind of work their parts out after you've got your stuff together no I mean I, I mean yeah I do write the, the bass lines and the keyboards too mm-hmm. um, except for the keyboard solos that's all that's sure. all beyond that but as, as, as far as everything else I yeah I write everything too as a songwriter and as a guitar player probably moreover have you do you feel your style has has evolved or or changed in in any way as a you know you were a young man when you started doing this very young man if I recall and I think we're all a hell of a lot younger back then you know a, a lot of guitar players kind of naturally change or go in different directions as they get older do you feel your style I mean to listen to it you've still got speed for days but do you feel your your playing has has changed much uh, it has, yeah. I mean, obviously, when I was younger, you know, it was more about just, you know, showing off and mm-hmm. try to do everything as fast as I could, and then even a little bit more, and then, then like beyond. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was all about like, you know, just crazy, crazy, after crazy, and that's, you know, that's how how it usually goes, you know. Right. Um, until you just sort of like start thinking about the music and when you do a guitar solo it, do you just want to show off and just like you know shred mm-hmm. or do you actually want to do stuff that serves the music and makes the song better right. and that that's more uh, yeah that's what I'm more about these days I mean I still you know, you know love, love playing crazy crazy insane uh, fast stuff, but also, right. but mostly I just want to do stuff that you know that that would be actually part of a song, something that people can sing along to, or yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, you're exactly right, and it, it's always 
you're always envious of the guys like yourself who can get to that level of speed to then be so good you don't have to play that fast. You know, where the rest of us are so damn slow trying to catch up to you guys, um, you know, we don't have a choice but to play slow. You have, you know, gears and ink and sprinkling, but you're right. I mean, you listen to certain players, and I don't want to mention names, that play so fast so much that it loses any sort of musicality almost. It becomes... Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, as a singer, you know, uh, you know, I guess, you know, when death metal or whatever brand of metal you want to you know, brand the band as, that type of yeah. singing came out. We all kind of wondered how long anyone could do it, and you've proven that you can do it this long. Is there a secret to, or is your voice just, you know, gotten strong enough where this isn't a struggle for you to do this kind of singing? Um, no, actually, I don't... Uh... I think I just like accidentally discovered some sort of technique way mm-hmm. back in the day that uh, I just don't I just don't lose my voice. I I yeah, it's been like twenty years, and I funny you should funny you should ask actually because I have had no like like zero problems. Probably the last time I lost my voice was in like the nineties, but on this tour I've actually had trouble with my uh, throat and and it's been yeah it's been very like unsettling because I don't know what to do with it because I never had a problem with it but mm-hmm. it's actually getting better now so I, I think that I think the thing was that that uh, we had a long break you know it was you know a three three month break before the yeah. tour so maybe in my throat was just like what the hell's going on yeah the muscles get a little you get a little loose um yeah when when you hear people try to sing like you is there something that most people do wrong that they walk away in in pain doing it is it trying to sing too loud too aggressively i mean do you it's it's yeah well i mean it's basically you're not supposed to do you're not supposed to do it uh from your throat when you're going for that raspy sound you know right. like you're not supposed to use the throat you're supposed to use your stomach and yeah. I know that sounds weird and it's impossible to um, to explain you know but basically yeah. stomach diaphragm you know that's where it's coming from and you're supposed to keep your throat open as opposed to trying to kind of close it to make that scratchy right. uh, raspy sound and that, that that's something that's something I was doing like um during the first two albums mm-hmm. and I kept losing my voice and after that you know I'd, when I I had been touring enough to just I, I was sort of forced to come up with something else and that, right. that's that's when I uh, came up with the right technique yeah I mean you hear you know even most operatic singers say the exact same thing that it's all from the diaphragm but you know knuckleheads you know get up every weekend in bars and try to do it through the throat you know we try to do Dio through our throat and end up hoarse um Lexi one one of the things obviously the speed of the music um the intricacies of the riffs combined with the fact you're the lead singer um is that something you have to work at when you've got a new song to get it down to you know it's almost muscle memory with your left hand so you can focus on what you're singing uh yeah sometimes I gotta work at it like most of the time you, you know it just comes naturally like mm-hmm. I have no problem doing that you know those two at the same time but mm-hmm. sometimes you know I just have to work at it if the guitar is doing like basically 
the exact opposite what the vocals are doing like riffing wise so then mm-hmm. I'll just you know I'll just sit down and I play the riff super slow and I just whisper the lyrics on top of it and that's how I get the idea of the rhythm or you know like what the what, what the difference is between the, the mm-hmm. guitar and the vocals and then I keep doing that and I you know I build up speed you know and I do that for however it takes and then before you know it I got it down and, and uh, then it's not a problem anymore it's like riding a bike did you find it harder I've heard people say that it's harder to play the bass and sing did you find do you find that to be true or have you, have you really tried oh. to sing or is that really not matter to you I don't know man I never heard that before yeah I was just uh, I was kind of curious is, is you know a lot of folks can you know maybe play the guitar and work through the songs you know you try to get up to the speed at which you play them but then you try to sing and it's just over you know you can't do this yeah. it's like trying to you know rub your stomach and pat your head at the same time uh, can be quite right, difficult. Right. So, tw- twenty years and ten albums now. Um, how are you starting to feel the new Titan when it comes to putting a set list together to make everyone happy? Is that no, hard? It's, not, it's definitely not easy, dude. I mean, it's it becomes hotter and hotter. You know, whenever albums come out, but we try to we always try to do a set list that would. You know that would have something for 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 everybody. You know, mm-hmm. meaning that you know at, at least one song from each album. If not that, then you know, definitely make sure that there's like the old school classics, if you may, mm-hmm. and like and then some new stuff from the new album. But uh, yeah, always got to remember that you know the fact of the matter is that you know people want to hear old school stuff that's just the way it is I mean, yeah. you, you can't you can you can try to fight it you can limit denial but people want to hear old shit yeah so you know like you know you, you don't want to force fit your new songs too much so we just sort of throw them in there and uh and uh give it time and then before you know it people people have you know you know, they get used to the new songs, and then uh, it's it's actually uh, easier to play them live too. Yeah, I mean, there's really the only bands I can think of that are able to just say, "Okay, we're going to do new stuff, whether you like it or not." It's made in Metallica because they build up, you know, they're made in Metallica. Yeah, they can do that. But um, yeah, and even it, they start with like songs from Kill 'Em All or whatever when they play live. Yeah, they're going to throw all yeah. the you sprinkle the hits in, but you know, if you look at you know the set list for any band, it's very difficult to work in. Seven eight songs yeah. from a new album. Metallica is able to do it, but they play a very very long set, um, so they're able to feed the fans at it. As a songwriter, are there particular songs that you, as is kind of the the you know the creator of these songs, you gave them life that it really killed you to have to take out of the set list as you're trying to introduce stuff in, you know maybe one that isn't necessarily a hit, but you know something that you just love playing. Um. Well, I'm sure they are. I just can't think of any right now. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, I'm really bad at these things. But oh, uh, no worries. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah, I'm sure they are. Uh, I'm, I'm sure each uh, each band band member has sung or two like that. But but uh, we, we try to do compromises, you know, with with like you know with with the five of us. Yeah. To make sure that and but but the top priority is the crowd, though. I mean that. It's just the way it is. So, yeah, we need to make sure that the crowd likes that song. 
Yeah, that's an absolute, and that's a great attitude to have. You know, at, at the end of the day, you know, there's going to be fans there who have seen you every time through town, and there's going to be somebody walking into that venue every night that's the first time they saw your band, and you know, they want to, they want to experience yeah. what they, you know, what they've come to know and love. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, like, you know, we're not, we don't get on the stage and do the show for ourselves. You know, right. I mean, we're there to entertain the people, so sure, make sure that they're having a good time. Yeah, absolutely, and it should be a fantastic show. Alexi, I want to thank you so much. You're going to be rolling into Pittsburgh on the 14th of April, uh, so I wish you uh, a safe trip out of Nebraska, and we'll see you when you get to town. <laughs> All right. All right, a big thank you to Alexi Lejo. Again, Children of Bodom will be in Pittsburgh to do a show on the 14th at Mr. Small's. That's an Iron City Rock show. Tickets still available. We're going to turn our attention now to Carrie Kelly. Carrie will be in Pittsburgh on uh, June 5th to do a show with Night Ranger. They'll be playing with Sammy Hagar in the circle uh, at um, down at uh, Highmark Stadium. But we're also going to talk about his new album from his new band called The New Revenge. The New Revenge is, is uh, certainly a supergroup by every definition of the word. You have on drums James Kotak, who is the uh, founding member and current drummer for uh, Kingdom Come. Also played for many years with the Scorpions. You have Rudy Sarzo on bass guitar. Rudy, everything he touches is just gold. Um, if that isn't an endorsement on the quality of the music, I don't know what is. But Rudy obviously has played with uh, Quiet Riot, has played with Dio, has played with Ozzy, has played with Whitesnake. Um, I could spend a whole podcast just reiterating the, the roles that Rudy Sarzo has played in the music industry. Uh, Carrie Kelly on vocals. Carrie has played with Pretty Boy Floyd, has played with Janie Lane of Warrant, uh, has played with, as I mentioned, Night Ranger, Alice Cooper. And finally, rounding it out on vocals, if that wasn't enough, Tim the Ripper Owens, who was a vocalist, obviously, of Judas Priest uh, for two albums in the absence of Rob Halford, also was a vocalist at one point for Ingrid Malmsteen. Uh, just an amazing, amazing singer, and it's fantastic to see him doing something new. So uh, we had a chance to t- catch up with Carrie Kelly. I'm going to play you a track from their debut album, Enemies and Lovers, and we'll get into that interview with Carrie Kelly.
pleasure to welcome the Iron City Rocks from A New Revenge. We have Carrie Kelly on the line. How you doing, Carrie? I'm doing great, my man. Hey, thank you for having me today, man. My pleasure. Uh, just had an opportunity to listen to the A New Revenge debut album, Enemies and Lovers. Uh, to say that the moment you see this lineup on paper, your head just kind of goes, whoa, um, is an understatement. Um, what brought you and, and the other three guys in this band together? I mean, was it just fate? You ran into each other at shows? Or how did this all kind of come together? Um, well, I mean, just as far as that, I mean, we've all kind of known each other, you know, from the last X amount of decades of, of playing, you know, mm. um, so, I mean, we were all friends. Obviously, we all play rock and roll music, and uh, and that's what we like to do, and and it's fun. But how the project kind of started, and I'll just touch on this real quick, everybody always asks me, um, about, I don't know, seven years ago or something like that, we were, uh, I was playing with Alice Cooper at the time, and James right. was playing with the Scorpions. We did a, a big tour in Russia. It was like a month-long tour. We had a lot of downtime. We are talking, hey, we should do something. Let's kind of do something on the side. Mm -hmm. Um the promoter said, hey, if you guys want to do something, he's like a big promoter over there. He goes, I'll bring yeah. you guys over. So said, hell, who do we want to get? I go, <laughs> well, I can call up Rudy, and I could call up Tim. You know, what do you think? J to James. And he goes, fuck yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, let's do it for sure. I called him. I said, hey, you guys want to want to go over and do some shows, have some fun? And then I, I told Rudy, who the promoter was. He goes, oh, I know that guy. I've done tours with Dio, and he's yeah. great, and let's do it. So that's kind of, it's literally, it was just a, two phone calls. And then we put it together, and it was all about, you know, friends having fun playing some rock and roll. It was that yeah. simple. How hard logistically is it to get everybody? Obviously, everybody's got kind of other jobs, uh, and, that, and that is kind of the state of yeah. the music industry. Is And you guys aren't unique in that, where, you know, we see bands where, you know, I look at Joel Hoekstra and can't imagine how he keeps track of what show he's playing each night. Um, you know, and you're in a very similar situation. You know, you've got, you know a lot of balls in the air but uh, how, how do you guys coordinate yeah. that it's i mean that's the hardest part you know what i mean like i said i mean playing rock and roll with your buddies and having fun i mean that's mm. that's awesome but uh the logistics are <laughs> mm -hmm. is is the main you know nightmare and and it really it is it's hard to do and you've just got to kind of carve time out here and there if you can i mean with this project like i said it started out like five years ago or whatever, or six years ago, as just like a jam band where we were right. playing tunes from our bands we were associated with, you know, Judas right. Priest, uh, Scorpions, Ozzy, etc. Um, but then we kind of started working on here and there. We started working on songs. Everybody has home studios these days, so it's pretty right. simple. Working on tunes like original songs. Right. So it took a few years to kind of to come to get to this point to come to fruition. But we finally had enough songs that we liked. To, to have an album's worth of material. It wasn't something that we just wrote, you know, it had two months of downtime and we said, hey, let's write a whole record. It was yeah. literally done in pieces here and there whenever anybody had time. And that's, uh, that's what, what we have, at least we have to do these days, you know? With, with the way this band worked, um, did you guys kind of collectively come up with a direction musically? Because I look at, you know, the resumes of all of you guys and you've worked with some amazingly successful acts but a lot of those acts have had a clear leader um you know this is kind of like a an all-star team uh, so to speak but you know who set the musical direction or did it just kind of flow you know you write a song someone says yeah i like it then you kind of stay in that same vein 
Yeah, I mean, pretty much how how it, it, it again, it was it was pretty simple and pretty organic. I mean, um, like I touched on a second ago, I mean, uh, most people have home studios these days, mm-hmm. so it's pretty easy to do some demos and mm-hmm. you know write some get some ideas together. So basically, what I did, um, I would write like two or three kind of songs musically, right. typically, or sometimes I'd have some some lyrics or some melodies and things like that. I would basically take those, send them to Tim next. Right. And then Tim would go, oh man, hey, I like, you know, that the first one is pretty cool. The second one, uh, I don't, not digging it. Third one, maybe, you know, mm-hmm. that first one's cool. So then he would take that. He would kind of work on it, you know, whatever, whenever he had the time, you know, that day or next week or whatever. Right. Send it back to me. Then we'd, we'd really start to develop it. So it was very natural, very easy. I think we, we wrote like about, or I wrote riffs probably about 25 songs and then like I said then Tim would kind of pick out things he was getting a vibe for and then send his ideas back to me he's in Ohio I'm in California mm-hmm. and then uh, and then we developed the songs further so it right. was really organic it was just kind of working together and just I would just write riffs that I thought you know cool guitar riffs or kind of ideas that I thought sounded cool and then he would pick them out did you guys have any sort of timeline? Because one of the things that always amazes me, musicians, like you said, who can carve out two months and say we're going to write and record an album and, and almost schedule creativity. Did you guys have, like, a we need to have this done for something, you know, some particular date, whatever it may have been? Or was this just organic, you know, now we have 11 songs, you know, they're all killer, let's go and, and shop this to a record label? Yeah, no, it, it was it was literally just in pieces, you mm-hmm. know. Um, you know, sometimes we recorded three songs at a time or whatever, but those all those songs we, we recorded more, like I said, than, than even the 11. I think there's actually 12 songs we recorded. I think there's another couple of bonus tracks for Japan or I okay. do But, but uh, you know, there were more songs recorded anyway, as, as well as the songs that I kind of, like I said, that Tim didn't really get a vibe for, the guys didn't like. But uh, it, it was done, you know, over a couple year period just whenever we had time like maybe a month we did a couple of songs and two or three months later we mm-hmm. wrote another two or three songs so it was just kind of we worked at our own pace and just kind of did it there was not never a timeline and never like at that point there wasn't even a record label we were just right. doing it on our own literally like creating music or doing the or, you know making the songs just as a labor of love in a way you know what yeah. i'm saying in, in a lot of ways that you can you can feel that in in the music because it doesn't sound you know, sometimes when you see these these super groups and I use that term you know somewhat cautiously because you see that so much um, in many bands some of them feel very either contrived or very rushed um, you know and I don't yeah. feel that you know when I go through these songs you know from start to finish I don't feel that there's a throwaway. You know, I don't feel that they're all exactly the same, which is is something that you sometimes see in some of those type of projects. This one has a very uh, a natural, you know, kind of I don't want to say an '80s kind of thing where there's ebb and flow in the album. There's you know different types of songs to keep it interesting. Um, you know, so yeah, it's a, yeah, and, and I think I I'm, I completely understand what you're saying, and I do think that 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 there's different elements and there's different vibes and you know dramatic feels on the record. I mean, there's you know, heavier songs, faster songs. Sure. Obviously, some slower mid-tempo songs. You know, things that just have different feels, and I think that's interesting. And it probably, I agree with you that it, it's probably because it wasn't a, a two-month or six-week or or right. or whatever you know ten-week project where you have to write 
15 or 18 songs right. in 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 a month and then record them in a month you know yeah. sometimes that you're in that such a, a weird mindset that you almost start writing the same songs kind of slightly different over again and then the record sounds kind yeah. of the same you know I, I yeah and that's one of the things i love like when i got the two only the pretty ones i was like wow this one really yeah. you know jumps out because he's got this eerie thing going on uh but then you know the song that i, I to me really jumped out as far as like if I were to pick a single was Never Let You Go which I believe is you guys have earmarked as a release as well you know that's such an anthemic you know put it in the car crank it up open the windows kind of song Um, you know so it's got variety you know for for, you know maybe it's a simple term but it comes out beautifully Um, no I guess the the obvious the choir (laughs) yeah the obvious question now is is are you guys going to be able to carve out time to tour uh, obviously you're on the road with Night Ranger I know you're going to be coming into Pittsburgh to do a show with them and Sammy Hagar in a couple of months but have you guys been able to find time in the schedule to to take this out live yeah you know I mean obviously we've talked about it you know the record's coming out here soon mm-hmm. um, and like as well like you said I mean I'm, I'm pretty locked up with Night Ranger you know through the tum- summer we have the tour right. with sammy hagar and then there's a couple other things that uh, other little tours that are kind of brewing but we got those and we have our own headlining shows but um you know the thing is with booking some people don't really you know understand the timelines on that you know especially what we have done in the past and we'd love to play in america of course north america right but you know we've done european shows belgium and stuff we've done scandinavian shows we've obviously right. went over to russia three or four different times a lot of people that book those kind of uh, you know, anything international is usually like six months out. So literally, mm-hmm. if you're booking something today, you're talking about September, October. Right. Um, and those actually are the timelines that we're looking at. We're hoping right. towards the end of the year, we can carve some time out once the, the summer touring season and Night Ranger kind of slows down, yeah. um, that we could do some of these cool locations. Like I said, I hope it's North America, but the locations that we've been to or the, or the territories before, you know, are interested and uh, we'll have to see how it goes. But yeah, it's uh, in end of the year would be, <laughs> I guess, the easiest answer. Sorry. I kind of no. went around the whole No, the you, whole you bring up a, there, but. a great point and it gives, gives time to get the name of the band out because I think that's, you know, maybe the biggest hurdle. I think anybody who looks at who's in this band that enjoys, you know, hard rock, metal, is going to go oh shit, I need to get this, I need to hear this. You know, I think a lot about Geezer Butler's new band. But until you the name becomes synonymous, you know, you, you have a little bit of an uphill yeah. push, you know, to you know, to get people to realize, oh, when I see this coming to a, a a theater or a club in my city and I see, you know, a new revenge, you have to think, okay, well, what is oh, that's the one with Ripper, you know, and that kind of thing. And that's Yeah. Yeah. You know, certainly I, yeah, I think I of that mean, with and, and absolutely yeah, building that foundation, you know, mm-hmm. trying to stay out there. I mean, you know, the, the the music business or entertainment business, whatever you want to call it, is not mm-hmm. an easy game uh, at all, at any right. time, whether we're talking 70s, 80s, 90s, or, sure. or current day. Right. It might even be harder today. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, man, it, it, it's, a, it's a rough game, but it's what obviously it's what we love doing. Uh, you know, I've obviously been very fortunate to play with a lot of great people uh, and acts, and as well the guys in the band. I mean, Rudy's. I mean, credentials are are sick. You know what I mean? James yeah. Scorpion, twenty one years. Kingdom Come. I mean, all the stuff Tim's done, the priest, the solo stuff. 
right. beyond fear. I mean, it's uh, Ingve, yeah. You know, and that's real. That, that's really what it's all about. Like, yeah, playing live is great. Of course, we want to do it, but it's you know, creating music with your buddies and creating it's art. I mean, it, it's fun. It's cool to write a riff, and yeah. then you know, a week or a day or whatever later or two weeks later, you have a complete four-minute song that would just was a riff in the beginning. Right. It's cool. It's like you know, a little. It's like a little baby growing up. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, exactly. And you, you mentioned about Rudy's resume. I, I have to say, you might have one of the longest discographies of anyone I've looked at. You know, And I've spoken to Rudy uh, at great length, but your, your resume goes on with the amount of albums. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, like I said, I've been very fortunate, you know, and, and uh, it's a rough business, man, but uh, I, I just do what I do, and I, I try my best, and I think that's what all these guys do. You know, Rudy's mm-hmm. still out there killing it, and uh, and it's, like I said, I think it's just because we're, this is inherent in us, you know, music yeah. or artistic, you know, creating. That's it. If, if you don't mind, I'd, I'd just like to pick your brain for a moment about an album that you made well over 10 years ago with Janie Lane, um, the Saints of the Underground record, which uh, I thought yeah. was absolutely brilliant. Um, and, and still to this day, I think it was a fantastic album. Can you talk just a, for a minute about what that process was like? And, you know, because there's so many great songs on that album. Yeah, that was. Um it was it was kind of the same scenario to be honest with you. I mean, Janie mm-hmm. was one of my you know friends. Obviously, is you know known known him since the nineties, mm-hmm. and um, you know we started doing when Warrant kind of was slowing down a little bit in like the later nineties or right. middle or whatever. You know, we started doing. We had another jam band, believe it or right. not. So it was kind of the same situation, and it was right. uh, it, it was Janie and myself, and we had Mike Sassano on drums, and, and Robbie Crane was playing bass. And then, um, for some reason, Mike Fasano couldn't do a show or something happened. I don't know. And Bob joined the band. Right. Um, so that was the nucleus of that. And it kind of just, same thing. It just developed naturally. But how the songwriting thing went was Janie and I were always writing songs around that. Well, we always wrote songs up until, you know, up mm-hmm. until his, uh, death. But, uh, right. so we had a lot of songs sitting around. And then we, we just said, hey, we should, let's cut a record. We took some of the songs we had laying around. We wrote a few new songs. Bob Blotzer actually had a couple of uh, of riffs, so we kind of incorporated those. But we just basically cut the whole record, same thing, right here at my house. Jamie, Jamie just came down. He would come down for a weekend and hang out for three or four days, and uh, we would just write songs and, and record it, and that's how we did it. It was really that simple. It was all done here at my house. Yeah, that was, uh, I have to say, that was one of the most truly underrated records of the last 15 years. Uh, you know, I just remember the first time I heard that, I was like, this is fantastic. Uh, you know, and it's yeah, great. Yeah, I, I, I really, yeah. I love the record as well. Again, I think that we all did a great job on that, and that wasn't rushed either. I mean, it wasn't like, like we took a lot of time on this, uh, a new right. revenge record, but I mean, we did that over, like I said, some songs we had sitting around, Janie and I, that we had wrote like a year before or whatever, mm-hmm. and then Bob had a few ideas that he had had sitting around. Um, but we probably did that over a three or four month period, but some of the ideas were already done. Um, but yeah, I, I think the record is, is very cool. I appreciate that you like it. I think that's, that's awesome. And, uh, it was really yeah. too bad that, uh, we didn't get a chance same thing to to play with that but I mean at right. that time I mean I think around when that came out I think Janie was getting back into that original warrant thing right 
Um, they did that for a couple years, so he was locked up on that, and I was still playing with Alice at the time, so that really ate up a lot of time. And I think yeah. Crane was still playing in Rat, so it was, yeah. and Bob, obviously Bob and Crane were in Rat, so it was just, right. that's it, man. The scheduling and logistics is, is, is the hardest part, man, honestly. Yeah. yeah, those were good problems to have when, when you're talking about those bands. And, and even now, I mean, if the biggest problem you have is playing with Night Ranger, that's a good problem to have. In you know the economy Absolutely. of the music industry, uh, yeah, we should all be. So uh, yeah, and, and those, yeah, and the Night Ranger, you know, those guys, like you said, I mean, we're coming out with Sammy. I mean, they got we, dates we have all the way through the summer. I mean, those guys, you know, to this day, they love playing, you know, rock and roll. They love playing, you know, music together. You know, it's not one of those weirdo bands where this guy doesn't like that guy or that guy doesn't like that guy. I mean, literally yeah. thirty-five years later, actually, it's been thirty-seven years now. Same, you know, basically same guys, you know, with with. Uh, with Brad Gillis, obviously Kelly Keegy and, and Jack, they've actually been playing together for 40 years, believe it or mm. not, because before Night Ranger, they were in a band called Rubicon together. Okay. Um, so, which is awesome, man, and they still love doing it. They're like, literally like a machine, yeah, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's a good problem to have. Exactly, exactly. Well, Carrie, I don't want to keep you, Carrie, but I really want to uh, thank you for taking the time. But the new, or a new revenge, I shouldn't say the new revenge, a new revenge album yeah. comes out on the 29th of March, and uh, hopefully we'll get to see you guys at some point, maybe late 2019, doing some shows out this way. And, and also we'll see you in June with uh, Night Ranger and Sammy Hagar. Absolutely, brother, man. Hey, thank you for having me, John. Have a good day out there, and... uh we will see you this summer. Sammy Hager awesome. Night Ranger Show, man. Awesome. All right, a big thank you to Carrie Kelly again. A New Revenge, the album is available now, uh, and that is Enemies and Lovers. Uh, really a fantastic album if you get a chance to listen to it. I, I don't think uh, with the lineup involved in that band you could really go wrong, so uh, I encourage you wholeheartedly to go check that out. We're going to turn attention now to another amazing uh, guitarist. There's kind of three really good guitarists on this show. This week we've got Brady Novotny, who is a Pittsburgh uh, native. He studied at Berkeley uh, College of Music uh, and has actually taught at Duquesne uh, as well on guitar. He's got a blend of, I would say, uh, jazz fusion, um, obviously rock influences, as we talk about in the interview. And uh, he also incorporates flamingo guitar playing, which uh, was of great interest to me. I was always kind of curious how, how he got into that and, and learned that style of music. So we talk about that as well. He has got a brand new album out. That album is called Passions Collide. And I think it's uh, very aptly titled because his styles... Um, you know, he's got so many different things he, he touches on in his playing. I don't know if I necessarily agree with the word collide. I think they uh, almost fuse. Uh, you know, I, I would dare call this album uh, Passions Blended or Fused or something like that. But um, I, he, he can call his album obviously whatever he likes. It's a fantastic record. Uh, we're going to play you a track called Redemption's Cry, uh, which features his wife actually on vocals. Uh, so it's really, really a cool track. And then we're going to get into that interview with Brady Novotny. Back on that road again Seems like the only way Sending flares from this broken hell You're reaching Can't see the thing you need Seems like you're on your own Yeah. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, my pleasure to welcome to Iron City Rocks. We have Brady Novotny on the line. How are you doing, Brady? Good. Thanks for having me on, Jeff. My pleasure. You um, have just released a fantastic uh, album of uh, kind of a, a whole myriad of different styles um, that uh, passions collide, which at first when I saw the cover art with the you know kind of acoustic guitar, flamingo guitar slash electric guitar, I thought, okay, there's going to be a merge of two styles, but I really feel even more than that. Um, can you talk a little bit about your background and how this has evolved into the album? Sure, sure. Well, I started out playing uh, classical guitar. Um, some, you know, my big heroes back then when I first started was uh, Randy Rhodes and, and Rick Emmett from, from Triumph. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I like them so much is uh, not only did they play the electric guitar, but they also played these classical pieces on their album. And all I had at the time, you know, growing up was a classical guitar. So I was kind of forced into that. My, my family didn't have a, the money to buy me electric guitar. You know, mm-hmm. I kind of inherited this guitar. So I started out on that. I learned how to read and I learned how to play with my fingers and, and just to really appreciate, you know, that, that nylon string sound. Um, but eventually, you know, I kind of got, you know, I wanted to learn, you know, all the rock tunes, you know, sure. Crazy Train and, and all that stuff. And, and so, you know, I started down that path, and I did that for 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 a long time. Um, but then, uh, you know, towards towards the end of high school, you know, going off to Berkeley, you know, they they wanted you know to see some some diversity. Mm-hmm. So um, I remember taking you know some like jazz to kind of get that fusion jazz fusion influence a little bit. And I never was really huge on jazz. I, you know, uh, it just never. Yeah, I like it, but it, it just you know, I'm not a you know, it's not a complete you know, huge influence on me. But right. but a lot of the chordal structures and all that stuff, you know, that, that kind of really, you know, um, fell into my playing. And then, um, like I said, I was you know, really like classical guitar. So I, back then, I bought a cassette that had all these uh, classical guitar pieces on it, mm-hmm. and I accidentally put the cassette in wrong, and it was side B, mm-hmm. and it had all of these flamenco songs and I was uh, like what is this <laughs> yeah and uh, so that really turned my ear to toward the towards that and um, and I remember you know I called around to every university in Pittsburgh and like is there a flamenco guitar teacher I need to learn how to do this and yeah and there was nobody as I can imagine I can imagine there's yeah. a plethora of that I mean I even classical guitar I could imagine there being a tremendous amount of guitar teachers you know i assume there are plenty of people to teach you crazy train but but not so right. much you know the classical works yeah that's, yeah the flamenco especially and then i found a guy that when i you know because i taught guitar for a long long time i found a guy who moved here from southern california and he says oh i play flamenco i was like dude i'm studying and he's like mm-hmm. <laughs> this is it so he showed me everything he could and I kind of just, you know, took it all in. Unfortunately, he passed away, but um, but I was very fortunate because there still isn't anybody in the area that teaches it, you know. Yeah. But um, but you know, yeah. Nowadays, you can go online and you know <laughs> schedule a lesson with whoever sure. in in Spain or or whatever. You know, it's kind of cool that way. So. Brady, from from a standpoint of, of of as a guitarist, it might be versed in let's say classical. Obviously, you, you've learned the modes and, and the 
reading of music and and a lot of the theory behind music how much of an endeavor is it for somebody with that background you know firm grasp of that background and that's that should be the key is the firm back background to say okay i want to learn jazz or i'd like to learn you know spanish guitar flamingo guitar whatever bluegrass how big of it investment in time is that for you once you have that skill set to learn a new style well, it's nice because you have a foundation already in place. Mm-hmm. You know, you have the the theory, and and you know the chords are all still the same. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of, of of the of the attack or the feel or right. or or the tradition. Really, I mean, you look flamenco; it's very traditional, and you know the metering's all different, and and uh, the way they play and how percussive they play. But still, a C chord is a C chord. Sure, you know, it doesn't doesn't really affect. But even like, yeah get into country and all that stuff it's all about the sound you know that really and that that takes a little bit i think i think that takes a while to to really develop that 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 attacking sound in whatever style that you play you know yeah i think there's especially with jazz you know there's a whole generation of us that that kind of grew up idolizing ralph macchio for his ability to you know take a blues guitar (laughs) You know, and, and that's what I'm picturing. I'm picturing you're the guy, you know, at Berkeley who said, "Boy, I want to learn flamingo guitar or something," you know, and uh, <laughs> ran off and broke a Spanish guitar player out of prison um, or a nursing home, right. I should say. <laughs> yeah. But when yeah, it, when I, uh, it, yeah, I was tenacious about that. <laughs> when it came time to make the album, can you talk um, the, the songs that comprise? You've got obviously, as I mentioned, a whole influence of different sounds there. Um, how how long of a time period did the songwriting stretch to say you know the you know some of these songs date back this far some of them are brand new or, or were they all written specifically for you know in kind of the current day for this project? Yeah, right. Uh, at first, when I decided to do this, I was like, well, maybe I'll go back into the library or catalog mm-hmm. and see if there's anything I could kind of reach for, but. Uh, the more and more I thought about it, I was like, you know, I, you know, I evolved as a player and everything. I just, I know I needed to write, you know, um, just kind of fresh stuff. So, mm-hmm. so I really took, it took about about a, a little over a year to, to, mm-hmm. you know, compose everything. And there's one or two, you know, pieces that, you know, that I had since, you know, for like 15, 20 years that I was like, I always wanted to do something with, but never, mm-hmm. you know, did anything with it. So those made it on, but for the most part, it's all pretty much. You know, brand new, you know, fresh within that year, year and a half of writing. So, uh, Brady, when you when you approach a song, are you a? And I often wonder this with instrumental pieces, probably more in particular, because you know it's kind of the glue that holds the song together. Do you start with the melody, or or do you maybe noodle around until you get a good riff, and then kind of listen to it over and over again and try to develop what you know? Because you don't have a vocal melody in a lot of these songs, but it's still melodic. Right. Right, right. Um, yeah, it's like it's a combination of both. You know, I come from that that, that time when guitar riffs were, were really important mm-hmm. and really, you know, sort of dominated the sound and I still love that heavy, you know, those riffs that we all grew up on. Right. And sometimes I'll come up with that, um, but a lot of times it seems to be uh, melody driven I'll come up and I'll hear a melody or hear something and be kind of noodling around and the melody will just kind of pop out and I'll grab my iPhone and mm-hmm. record it and then kind of structure the song around the melody which um, comes probably from I'm married to a singer so 
you know. It doesn't hurt. <laughs> that helps, too. Yeah, so, you know, I always said, you know, she's my, she, she tests everything. If I, if I play something and I say, hey, you know, you know, and she can sing me back the melody the following day, then I know I have something. Yeah. Because that's all they do is sing melodies, you know. They don't sing chords. <laughs> is your and, wife uh, the, the, the female voice we hear on the album? Okay, which is is a good answer. You know, it, it, it's scary yeah. to say. You, 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 if you would have made an entirely instrumental album married to a singer, it might have been risky for the marriage. But uh, <laughs> but to put another female's right. voice on there might be worse. Um, yeah, that would have been bad. That would have been bad. <laughs> now, um, but did, no, she she fit it, so it was great. Yeah. <laughs> is she kind of your main collaborator or, or sounding board for the music, or do you write with others? Um. Yeah, I on this project I kind of it's something I've been wanting to do for for many many years. So I kind of just you know did a lot of the writing myself and mm-hmm. and you know uh, some of the lyrics that are on it. I had um, the drummer who played on it. He's a really good lyricist, so he he um, he wrote the lyrics for everything. But um, for the most part, you know, I wrote all the melodies and and everything like that. And my wife just kind of you know she just. You know, I gave her the demo, and I was like, mm-hmm. you know, make this your own. <laughs> Do with what you want with it, but this is kind of where I'm wanting to go with it. And, and we work well together that way. So, as a smart married man to say, "Do with it with what you want." You <laughs> want to go into that trying to tell her how to sing? Um, no, uh, no, no, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> so when you're in the studio, you push each other. You're like, no, I think you could do it a little bit. You know. <laughs> yeah. So. But no. yeah, but it's fun that way, you know. No, it's great to have that. Now, um, the drums you mentioned, did you do these, like, um, when you recorded the drums, you'd go somewhere, I mean, a lot of the guitar work, were you able to do it like a personal studio, or did you go into a, a full-on studio to record these? And, and I guess, moreover, where did you record the drums? Because that can obviously be the most challenging. Sure. Uh, I, I went completely you know old school you know mm-hmm. everything is a live musician on the cd mm-hmm. you know or the or the album and even down to the shaker mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know um i wanted i want to just you know that that as they say organic thing mm-hmm. um but so we recorded um at a local guy's studio here uh dave granati mm-hmm. um and he's a he's a guitar player so you know, I knew that he would get me the sound I'm looking for, right. and with all his experience and everything that he does, so I recorded the whole album at his studio. Uh, so he was the engineer, and then uh, John Cunaberti, which is Joe Satriani's engineer and mastering guy, he mastered it. So now, when you get that mastering, can you kind of walk us through when when you send that off and it comes back? You know, how much different does that sound, and and you kind of give when it's going to be mastered do you say okay i kind of want it to sound like you know crystal planet or i, I really enjoy you know, right. this album from michael shanker or how do, uh, what kind of instruction do you give an engineer or i'm sorry the mastering when that's done right i think with 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 john you know i i was kind of like well he's the master so yeah <laughs> i was like you know i was like here you go man um I trust you, you know, you know, his his resume is ginormous and uh he accepted the project, so that was, you know, a yeah. nice thing, you know. And so, you know, I figured, you know, he knew what I was looking for as soon as he heard it, you know. Right. Um and it does make a difference. I, I think um, you know, when I went back and listened to the mastering work, mm-hmm. you know, it really 
you know, puts the glue and everything, it makes it, you know, sound like a, a record and it gives it like a 3D effect mm-hmm. when you're listening to it. And, uh, you know, and that takes a skill and, and talent to, to do that. And yeah. obviously he's, he's one of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's certainly. Now, how do you go about getting on someone's radar like that? Is it just a, are there certain avenues you go to get that, or is it just a send them a tape and hope kind of thing? Uh, well, I, I um, you know, I come from, come, you know, just figured, you know, it doesn't rehearse to ask, you know? Yeah. So I looked them up, and, and you know, I was like, I, I, became friends with him on Facebook, you know, it was yeah. something simple, and I messaged him, I was like, hey, you know, I have this project, you know, blah, 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 and he said, um, okay, well, send me what you have, and uh, you know, he mailed me back, he mailed me back and said, yeah, I don't find no problems, let's do this, and, you know, he turned it around quick, and, right. you know, yeah, of course, you pay him. <laughs> right, sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's definitely, a, you know, but, uh, you know, uh, it was a pretty smooth process, and, you know, so it was. Uh, I, I people always told me it's like if you're going to get mastered, master, get it mastered by somebody that you're trying to to be. You know, so yeah. you don't want to just take your mastering to you know somebody who does all country artists. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I was like, yeah, he's the guy. So yeah, if if you're looking for instrumental rock guitar, that can you go anywhere but yeah, Reality <laughs> and work your way down, really. Uh, right, right, right. That's exactly so, it. Now I'm you, you have a CD release show coming up in May at the Hard Rock, correct? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's uh, going to be Friday, May 10th um, at the Hard Rock here in Pittsburgh. I think the show starts 9 o'clock, and I'm going to be um, playing the entire, the entire album mm-hmm. um, with, uh, you know, probably do some fun tunes at the end. Uh, have some, some uh, hope see if uh, some of the guest musicians that I had asked were able to show up, but mm-hmm. uh, but um, but most part it's just going to be you know just getting out there and starting to play this thing all the way through and and have fun that night you know it's a celebration for sure. Now, will you plan on playing most of this as a trio, or or do you have a second guitarist come in to kind of fill the sound? Oh, uh, a second guitar player? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I have a band that, that's okay. the, you know accompanying the whole thing. So okay. um, you know, there's 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 another guitar player that handles all the rhythm and um, drums, bass. My wife will sing, uh, keyboards, uh, even percussion section, and possibly even a you know um, one of my songs has a horn section on it. So I'm hoping to yeah. get that group in there as well. So. That was one of the aspects I liked, you know, I kind of, you know, from reading your bio, expected a little flamingo, expected some jazz, but when I heard the horns, I was like, that really did come out of left field at me, so I, I enjoyed that, um, you know, when you, <laughs> yeah. when you get, especially that deep into an album, and you get a surprise, you know. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and... and yeah, and those were guys were great, they're local guys, the Solvale horns, they're, they're great, I mean... A great bunch of guys. So it was actually a three-piece horn section. So excellent, excellent, Brady. I want to thank you so much for um, uh, taking the time out to speak to us today. Again, the show is in May. The album of, is available now, and we will have a link uh, for your website on our page, man. Thank you so much. All right, John. Thank you for having me on. All right, that about wraps it up for this episode of Iron City Rocks. A big thank you to Brady Novotny, Carrie Kelly, and also Alexi Leo of Children of Bodom. 
you can catch Children of Bodom, as I mentioned several times now, on April 14th at Mr. Smalls is an Iron State of Rock show. Uh, keep an eye on our Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, uh, Twitter, or all forward slash Iron State of Rocks. Keep a track of that so we'll be giving some tickets away. A New Revenge, the album is out now featuring Kerry Kelly, Ripper Owens, Rudy Sarzo, and James Kotak. Uh, so check that out as well. And you can get uh, Brady's uh, Novotny's CD as well. So be sure to check out our website at ironcityrocks.com. You can use the contact link or you can email us directly at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. Love to hear from you all. What you think about the show, people you'd like to hear on the show, people you don't want to hear from again on the show, uh, whatever. Uh, comments, criticism are most welcome. So we most of all want to thank you for taking the time to listen, and we'll catch you next time. Yeah.